Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. I'm Dave Hendon. We are back for Series 3. We've had a bit of a break over the summer since the World Championship. Of course, there's been a lot happening in the snooker world and plenty more to unfold over the next few months going right the way through to the end of this season. And our plan, once again, is to be here pretty much every week until the end of the season with a mix of features. We'll have interviews with top players, We'll have uh, interviews with various other people on the snooker circuit. We'll be reacting to whatever happens over the course of the next few months. But in this first podcast, I chat to the snooker scene editor, Clive Everton, about what's been happening since Mark Selby won his third world title in May. OK, so straight after the World Championship, it was the World Snooker Awards, Clive, where you were inducted into the Hall of Fame. What was that like? Unexpectedly emotional. Mm. Um, and quite a reversal, really, because uh, I'd spent so many years, almost three decades at war with various WPBSA administrations, and it's very nice to to realise how much it's turned round with the current administration under Jason Ferguson and, of course, World Snooker under under Barry Hearn. So that that, that was very nice. Mm. Of course, I mean, if you say you were a freeman of the City of London, you can sort of graze your sheep on, on Tower Bridge and all that. I mean, I don't think you've got any sheep, have you? But are there any benefits at all other than just being in a sort of on a list with other legends? Uh, not, 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 not that anybody has told me about, <laughs> but but it was nice, just the same. Yeah. And Jimmy White as well also uh, got inducted, and uh, you you could tell because he was actually sat on the table I was on because I was on the Eurosport table. Obviously, he's, he's a Eurosport pundit, and so many players were coming up to him, sort of hugging him and saying how much they loved him, and you could just see the, the genuine affection people have for Jimmy. I got one or two hugs, <laughs> not, not as many as Jimmy. No, no. OK, well, then the season began, and the first ranking event was in uh, Riga, and Ryan Day, who, um, of course, had a good back end of last season, came close a couple of times to win a tournament, but had this sort of label, sort of a backhanded compliment, best player never to win a ranking event, and he won one, which was, I think, about time, wasn't it? Well, d- d- definitely. He, he, he is, he is a, a, a very good player. Uh, his career went into decline... A few years ago, but he certainly fought his way back. Uh, and uh, as you say, Dave, the, uh, the the first ranking title long overdue for him. Mm. 
it was a best of nine final, so not a two session final. But you've still got to you've still got to win. You know, he's on four. He's got to get to five. It was still a big achievement. Yeah, the Riga Masters is not the biggest ranking event uh, on the circuit, but it's got that status nevertheless. And uh, uh, you can only play to the the rules and the length of matches which are in force at the time. Mm. We mentioned Jimmy. Of course, he got the the World Snooker Invitational Wildcard or whatever they call it. And uh, Ken Doherty also got that. And Ken has <laughs> has sort of grabbed it with both hands. He got to the semis in in Riga. Very nearly got to the final. So that's a really good result. He's beaten Ali Carter. He's beaten Barry Hawkins in various tournaments. He's making the most of it. I think it was a bit of a wake up call for him because it could have been over. I think so. Uh, and uh, uh, to to give a rather somber note. Um, Ken's mother died, and I think that's a wake-up call as well. You, you realise that you haven't got an indefinite amount of time, and if you're going to achieve anything, you better hurry up. Mm. Yeah, she it's very sad. She passed away actually on Mother's Day, and it was the coming up to the 20th anniversary of his world title, so he was getting all these calls for interviews and celebrations, but he wasn't really in the mood to celebrate. But, I mean, I know a lot of people would disagree, but I actually think it's good that they've got these two wild cards. Why not? You know, they're two people who've given a lot to the sport. Jimmy... His popularity and tournaments he's won. Ken has been a brilliant ambassador, so so why not? So as long as these wild cards are not overdone, mm. I, I, I'm for it. And they've already proved this season that they can still play, you know, to a to a certain standard. Not the best that they used to be able to, but they they can they can hold their own still, and and perhaps a bit better. Yeah, and it's very rare. Although they have actually got one for Shanghai, but it's very rare that everyone enters a tournament and they get a full field. So. All they would be doing otherwise is, is topping it up off the, the Q School order of merit. And the people who went to Q School, you know, had a chance to get through, and a lot of them didn't get through, but they're having chances to play in ranking events. Anyway, one tournament that's not a ranking event is the World Cup, which was won by China. The format, um, we said in the, the magazine, maybe needs looking at. There seemed to be a lot of days of round robin, and then it sort of suddenly ended at the weekend. But there was a lot of days where there were matches, but it wasn't quite clear what they meant. Yeah, and also for a World Cup, best of seven matches or even best of five, you know, doesn't seem to, to, to add much credibility to it. But I, I took this up with, with Barry Hearn actually, and uh, he, he said, well, the, the one of the primary objects of the event is to get as many nations, even the lesser the lesser snooker nations, on television, get their players on television. It, it, it's it's essentially a a, a publicising vehicle. Um, at the end of the day, though, uh, <coughs> to repeat the argument about Ryan Day and the Riga Masters, you, you, you play to the number of frames which are offered and the best team wins under those rules. Mm. I, I can see his point, and I guess that's why they're two-man teams, not three-man teams, because a lot of these countries were struggling to get two players. Uh, obviously, England, Scotland, Wales, whatever, can, can get three easily, China can get three, but... A lot of them can't, but again, I mean, the old World Cup, it, it was three players, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think a few years down the road, it needs to go to three players and more frames because that will give it more credibility. Mm. I don't think I don't think that the World Cup, as it stands, has much credibility outside the snooker world itself, the inside of the snooker world at that. Yeah, and also the time of year it was played, obviously, kind of summertime. I mean, it was on during Wimbledon, I think, which obviously you know is kind of associated with that time of the year, crickets on and so on. Anyway, we had the Paul Hunter Classic, which Michael White won, and then uh, China Championship was interesting because uh, Luca Brussel made his big breakthrough. And it was a little bit like Judd Trump when he won in China in 2011. People had been predicting it, maybe been expecting it, then maybe wondering if it would happen at all. 
he's still only young, Luca. You know, he's only twenty-two, so you know he's, he had time on his side. But until they actually win one, you don't know if they're going to. That's right. Uh, Brussel was a European under-21 champion at 14, European amateur champion at 15. And with that kind of background, you think, well, they've got plenty of time to do it. But of course, you still have got to do it. Not not all the junior prodigies do. Mm. Uh, but uh, I, I think that he, he, he does have something, he does have something special. And even after winning the China Championship, he he's done quite well yeah. subsequently. So uh, I, I think I think he's here to stay. He's got the, I think he's got the right mentality now. I think uh, uh, a couple of years ago he got quite interested in things like cars and girls, mm. uh, uh, but now he's he's really got his head head down for snooker. He actually put up a post online at the start of the tournament and said, you know, I'm no longer, so no longer interested in all that stuff in the clothes and everything. I'm going to concentrate on snooker and it obviously worked. And what impressed me was, you know, his season could not have ended more disappointingly last year. He was 7-1 up in the World Championship to Marco Fu and lost 10-9. Very public defeat. Sort of defeat, you know, it would take some players years to get over. But he seemed to take the positives or at least learn from it. And he's played something like nine deciders this season, won them all. So... Something has changed there, and whether it's something he's looked at consciously or, or whatever, it's worked, and I think that's a good sign. And it suggests that he's certainly not going to be a flash in the pan. He's going to be a top player for some years. Yeah, yeah, into the top sixteen already, and uh, I think he'll be there for a long time. Future world champion, possibly, but that again is an an enormous step. Mm, yeah, but what great timing! Because of course we had a tournament in Belgium, and he, he was always going to be, you know, the number one kind of star there but the fact that he went there as a winner he, he did well in it as well he brought the crowds in was fantastic and I guess it also underlines the the importance of new champions new stars no sport can just rely on the same old faces even even when they're big stars uh, but also a European player you know we know how popular snooker is in Europe on Eurosport but to actually have a top player now from continental Europe it's fantastic yes and, and let's hope we get one or two more Mm. Well, obviously, I mean, we saw actually some young kids in the audience in, in Lamel, and obviously, if they see someone uh, from their own country or from that part of the world doing well, it's more likely they're going to try and do the same. Judd Trump, we'll come to his victory shortly in, in, in Belgium, but he actually said that, and he was talking about Brussels and a few others, he said that maybe this could be the season where a sort of new order takes over, the younger players start to dominate. Um, discuss. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, it's not going to happen all at once. I, I, th I think some of the younger players may be more prominent, but uh, the, the older players, you know, the Higginses, the Mark Williamses, you know, the O'Sullivans, mm. uh, uh, are not just going to going to step aside. I, th I think um, the the takeover of the next generation is is always gradual. Mm. And also, what is who? What is what qualifies you as a young player? You know, Judd Trump's twenty eight. Is that a young player? I suppose you look at so many 40-somethings doing well, he kind of is, but he's been a pro over 10 years, so he's not a newcomer. He's certainly not a kid anymore, mm. uh, and it's been fascinating to observe how he's changed his, his, his attitude, really, to, to, to matches and to championships. Mm. I think he's less inclined to to take it, take things for granted. You know, you're told, oh, you're a future world champion and all that, and you, and you believe it, and then suddenly you, you actually, you've actually got to prove it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and you've got to prove it after setbacks like first round defeat to Rory McLeod at the World Championship l last season. 
Uh, I, I don't think he'll t take matches like that for granted anymore. Which I think he did. I think that mm. was a, that was the underlying factor in that defeat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, talk about the new order. I mean, as I say, a lot of these players they're not new. I mean, Michael White won the Portland Classic, but he's he's been around a long time. He's been very talented from a young age. Kyron Wilson was in the World Open final, but again, he's he's not like a a completely new face. I guess the test of this sort of theory is if someone, say this this young man, Billy Castle, who won the English Amateur Championship, he was in the last 16 in, in, in Belgium, if he suddenly came through and reached a final, that might be something significant. It, it, well, it, it, it might be. Um, but I, I, I think, as regards Castle, I think he did pretty well to get to the last 16 mm. in, 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 in Belgium. Uh, and uh, it, it's, not, it's nice to see an English amateur champion, which is still uh, a very, a very good title to hold. It's nice to see him coming through the pro ranks, or, or at least making a very good start in the pro ranks so, so early. Mm. He was working. I was reading. He's working as a, a gardener, um, but is uh, now given that up. He's hung up his trowel to, uh, <laughs> to, to <laughs> if indeed they use trowels, to uh, to cause a trowel snooker. So good luck to him. The problem, of course, with rolling over the old order is the old order is still really good and John Higgins proved this by winning the Indian Open um, obviously he had a great end to the season last season getting to the world final at the age of uh, well he's 42 now he's 41 then um, and it, I mean he's the sort of player and Mark and Ronnie are the same you know they don't suddenly become bad they might decline over time but it's going to be gradual yeah and there's no sign of it at the moment and, and, <clears throat> and as soon as the end looms they, they tend to redouble their efforts they don't mm. just they don't just fall away. Mm. They, they 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 want the good times to go on for a little bit longer. Mm. A significant victory for Higgins because 29th ranking event, so now second on his own. Stephen Hendry's retired. He's on 36. The question is, I guess, can he get to Hendry's total? I mean, it doesn't seem much, but he's still got to win seven tournaments, which is, you know, you, you would think that would take a few years, maybe. Well, it's very hard to win one, mm. and the, the the standard is so high at the top. So many so many players now. With title-winning potential, that it's it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a big ask. Mm. So, if you had to say I had a, say I put a gun to your head, which I'm not going to do because I don't have a gun. Um, <laughs> yes or no? Will he get there? No. Okay. I, I think 32, 33. Yeah, I I, te I tend to agree. I mean, they, like you say, there's a lot more tournaments. Yeah, but they're still hard to win, and it's hard to. You know, we have this thing with the home nations. You know, if you win all four, you get a million quid. It's hard to win any four tournaments. You know, and, and <laughs> I mean, let's. All I'd say about that bonus prize is, if there was any chance at all, any chance of anyone winning it, it wouldn't exist as a prize. Because Bar <laughs> one thing Barry doesn't want to do is give away a million quid. Obviously, I don't think he's insured it. Actually, yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's a, it, it, it's a, it's a million quid out of the world snooker's resources if anybody does win it. Yeah. Mark Williams won the six reds. Uh, I was thinking about this. Um, well done to him and got an eighty grand for it, which was a fantastic prize. But you'll remember, Clive. I suppose about ten years ago, all the sort of talk: six reds is going to revolutionise the game. It's our twenty twenty. It's going to we'll have ranking tournament. I mean, it was it had one a year, and that seems to be all anyone wants. Well, what the problem with the game uh, ten years ago was not the game itself, mm. but the way it was being run. And in circumstances like that, a sport tends to look for easy, instant solution. They think, "Ah, oh, yes, six reds. It, mm. It'll be out 2020." And of course, it wasn't. It, 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 it's a nice, uh, a once-a-year variant uh, of, 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 the, of the standard uh, format. That, that's fine. As is the one-frame shootout. But I wouldn't like to see uh, any more variants. 
No, I mean, there was power snooker as well, and, and there was the same thing happened with that when that was kind of launched. So many journalists, who non-snooker journalists, sports journalists, sort of just wrote it straight, oh, yeah, this is, you know, snooker's changing and it'll all be like this from now on. I mean, just complete nonsense. Well, they don't, well most of them don't like snooker, and, and none of them understand snooker. So uh, <laughs> uh, I wasn't sorry to see power snooker bite the dust. No, indeed. Um, so Judd Trump, yeah, he won in Belgium. Um, I thought it was a fantastic final. It, Stuart Bingham has a great record against him, and a lot of it in recent times is about when he beat him at the Crucible, he beat him in the Welsh one as well. And you can see Trump really respects him, and that's a good thing, because I think when sometimes when Trump has lost, and you mentioned Rory McLeod, it's when he hasn't ne- maybe shown the requisite amount of respect to his opponent. But you could see he, he recognised what a tough player Stuart was, and in the end that helped him, because, because he won. Yeah, uh, I, I, think, I think it was a pretty mature performance mm. uh, by, by, by Trump. Uh, I, I, there, there are various match play situations, you know, defending a lead, coming from behind, uh, how you react when you lose a lead, all the, all, the, all this, and, and, and Trump has been learning all the time. Mm. And uh, I think at 28, he's coming into his prime, his best years. Yeah, I agree. And uh, it's worth saying, like Mark Selby, three times world champion now, he won his first world title at the age of 30. So it's not like, you know, you've got to win it in your 20s. Um, players mature at different times and their games mature at different times and uh, I, I tend to agree I mean Trump had a great season last season he's just the, the crucible was kind of a terrible end but I suppose in a way that was a result of how well he'd done during the year and the confidence he had maybe overconfidence he had and all the mm. talk around around him as well um, we'd mentioned Luca Purcell sort of learning from his defeat to Foo I suppose Trump has to look at what happened at the crucible and, and just ensure that doesn't happen again well I, I, I don't think he'll take anybody lightly uh, at the Crucible again. Uh, I, I, he may say that he didn't, mm. but I, I'm sure at the back of his mind was that it was the thought that he, he couldn't lose to Rory McLeod over two sessions. Mm. Uh, and of course, anybody who qualifies for the Crucible uh, may not have all that much flair, uh, may not be a crowd pleaser, but they're, they're, they're a pretty good player if they're at the Crucible. Absolutely. Mark Selby, uh, we mentioned, of course, he won the world title. But uh, this season, it's not quite good going for him yet. Didn't start well because um, <laughs> cause he broke his toe. Um, I wondered if he dropped his wallet on it because he, <laughs> he, earned, he earned nearly a million quid last year. Apparently it was some sort of glass object. Couldn't play in Riga, couldn't play in the World Cup. And sort of almost started like a lap behind everyone else. And you can see did a bit better in Belgium, but the sharpness hasn't quite returned yet. Well, the consistent sharpness certainly hasn't. But uh, four centuries in five frames in mm. one of his one of his matches in in Belgium was uh, was pretty good going, and uh, he, he he pulled out a he, he pulled out a good victory when he when he was under pressure in another match against Lu Hai Chan. Mm. Um, but uh, it, it, there's just he hasn't quite got an edge on his game mm. yet. Uh, but I, I'm pretty certain he will. Mm. Roddy O'Sullivan hasn't played much at all this season, um, but as ever, there's kind of interest in what he will do. Um, I mean, we mentioned Higgins and Williams, and he's in in that kind of class of 92 as well. I guess you expect him to come good at some point, but again, if he's not playing in every tournament, there's maybe an issue around sharpness with him. Well, an issue around sharpness uh, and... uh... But, but also there could be an issue about fear of overplaying. Mm. If, if you played in every tournament, it, you know, it would be mentally exhausting mm. because it's not just the snooker, it's what goes with it, all the travelling and so forth. So I quite understand 
O'Sullivan picking his tournaments and perhaps concentrating on, usually concentrating on the ones that are nearer home. But I did notice on social media that uh, O'Sullivan gave us his reason for not playing in the European Masters. Um, uh, first of all, he didn't want to go to a qualifying in, mm. in, in Preston, uh, 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 along with all the numpties. <laughs> his word. As, yeah. as he put it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, as he put it. And also, because his agent had been unable to negotiate mm. uh, an appearance fee additional to prize money. Um, which uh, I think is quite a, a disturbing development in, in a way. What I like to see is, is the money available going into the prize fund. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, I think, because I suppose if you looked at it logically, you would say, what is best for the game? Is, is it best for the game that Ronnie O'Sullivan, who is still the biggest star, goes to Preston with a chance he might lose and not be in the final stages, or is it best that he's in the final stages? You could argue that the match should be held over, but then that's quite arbitrary because you're not taking the top four, you're just taking him. You could argue that the promoter can spend their money how they want, so if they want to give him money, that's up to them. Uh, it happens in golf and tennis and, and those sort of sports. Um, there are arguments on either side. Um, what's interesting to me is that he kind of said at one point last year, it's not about the money for me, I want to entertain the fact, and then all of a sudden it kind of is about the money. I, I think what he wants is, and I understand this actually, he wants to be treated as befitting his status in the game. He doesn't want to be another member of the tour. He wants to be, you know, treated as a five times world champion, which is what he is. And a lot of other people would say, well, everyone should have the same chance, but I don't know, maybe you should be treated based on your achievements. I think he wants to be regarded as special. Mm. Uh, but he kind uh, of is special. Well, 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 he, well <laughs> he, he, he is special, but I, I think, you know, looking for appearance fees, does he, is he really needful of that, uh, of more money? Mm. Uh, uh, also, although he might have said it tongue in cheek, I don't think it's a great idea to describe the the lesser professionals as numpties. No, I think the problem, the problem with, there's a lot of players who you know could could walk into the crucible and people wouldn't know who they were. You know, there's a lot of players on the tour who don't get a lot of results. But it's not that they're bad players; it's that they're all of a kind of same standard and they play each other and they mm. knock each other out. So it's very hard to do what he did when he turned pro, mm. which is get on a run of winning loads of matches when. I'm sure he would accept himself. He was playing numpties actually in the early rounds. I mean, he was playing people who literally hadn't qualified for the tour. They just paid their money mm. to enter, and a lot of them mm. couldn't play. A lot of them could, but a lot, a lot of them couldn't. Um, it'd be interesting to see, you know, what the sort of reaction from the players down the list is. I suspect a lot of them would say, "Oh, he's not talking about me. He's talking, he's talking, <laughs> he's talking about someone else." But I don't know. I suppose the the, the underlying sort of issue under uh, under it all is. Is the tour too big? There's been talk of should it be cut down. Barry's against that. He thinks one to eight is the right number, but a lot of them don't make a living. So are there too many players? Well, a lot of tennis players don't make a living, uh, but it, it, it's it's a question of opportunity. Maybe the introduction of the Challenge Tour mm. will provide a, a, a better a better pathway. Um, it, 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 it's a di it's a difficult one, really. Mm. I think the difference in tennis is if you if you qualify for Wimbledon, bear in mind it's the last one to eight, not like the Crucible, which is thirty two. You get something like twenty five grand. It's it's a lot of money um, if you qualify for all four. That's under grand a year. Mm. Whereas in in snooker, the 
in the early rounds, and they have slightly increased it, but it's pretty slim pickings. And you're playing, of course, now with the flat draw. This is the thing. It's supposed to be opportunity for all. But you could draw Ronnie in the first round. You could draw Mark Selby if you're a new player, and chances are you're not going to beat them. You're not going to get any money, and you're not going to get anywhere. Well, Alexander Ersenbacher of Switzerland has drawn yeah. John Higgins first <laughs> round in three consecutive yeah. tournaments, so yeah. it, 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 it is tough. Mm. But it, So the question is, was the old system better when you were playing more rounds, but you're playing people who are around your own standard early on rather than the world champion in the first round? It's a moot point, isn't it? Hmm. It's a moot point. It, it 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 may it may have been better, but we're not, we're not making the we're not making the rules. But and and if if Barry thinks that uh, his system is the best system, that's it. No, that's right. And uh, well, the one thing you have got to say as well is that he has packed the calendar uh, full, fuller than ever. And of course, so the Shanghai Masters dropped off, but it's come back on. But it's created, I think, a lot. The issue a lot of people have, and certainly players have. It's just logistics, you know, the Shanghai draw couldn't be done until after the European Masters. So we're talking about effectively Monday morning for qualifiers that start on a Wednesday. So nobody knows when they're playing. They're going to have to book hotels, arrange travel, maybe arrange childcare, all that sort of stuff. People from outside the UK don't know when they can do they book a flight. I and mean, I think Ersenbacher actually, I think he actually booked a flight to come to Preston and then found out he's playing Higgins, it's been held over to Shanghai. <laughs> so that's kind of... I, I, I think there's a lot of moaning goes on that, that basically is a little bit too much, but I think I can understand players, you know, the, the, the problems they have with logistics. It, it's difficult. In a way, Snooker's the victim of his own success mm. in this in this way. But 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 what the, what does Barry do? Does he say, "Well, we won't bother with the Shanghai Masters, then we'll put it off to next year"? Mm. It, it, it it's not perfect the current arrangement, but it's given players a, a further earning opportunity and a good one. Yeah, and but the problem is as well that, and we don't know at the time of recording exactly what's happening with the champion of champions. But there, the players are in. Dodging for the international championship. A couple haven't qualified. Marco Thurl hasn't qualified, um, but most of them are there. The next day, Coventry starts. They can't make the draw till the Sunday night. Then the next day after Coventry, it's Shanghai. So it's China, Coventry, China, and it could be that players miss out on champion champions because it's not a ranking event. Big money, yes, but again, the travelling. I know. I mean, obviously, they haven't done this deliberately to mess people about, but again. It's not ideal, but I suppose there are issues with promotion and, and TV contracts and so on when you have tournaments. I guess this is something that a lot of people don't want sort of to be ironed out in future years. Yeah, the, 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 this year they've you'll find that the early matches in the Champion of Champions will feature the early losers in the yeah. the, the, pre, the, the, the previous week, mm. and conversely the finalists and maybe even the semi-finalists in the Champions of Champions their matches will be held back as long as possible for the, for the following week but having a, a tournament in Coventry sandwiched between two in China is, is not ideal by any, by any stretch No and Shanghai's only six day tournament and they're going to have to play the say Mark Selby for example won the Champions of Champions his match has been held over to Shanghai so he's got to play a last 1-8 to eight match and then all the other matches if he gets through basically seven matches in five days maybe even four so he's going to be playing twice a day it just seems I don't know everyone is glad Shanghai's on and all the rest of it but these are issues that do. I'm sure they are being looked at as well I'm sure, absolutely certain they are but 
it's kind of it's the one thing that seems to leap out now the the sort of the nature of the calendar because in a lot of other sports tennis and golf be an example you have a sort of Asian swing so you go to China three or four tournaments in a row same with America and so on but this is just travelling all over the place yeah yeah well it it it, it will it will get sorted but it but it is I repeat one of the problems of success mm. the money has gone up massively uh, there's a lot of money to be earned Mark Selby earned nine hundred thirty odd thousand last year. Someone's going to earn a million, aren't they? Could be this season. Yeah, won't be us, but uh, <laughs> one, of the, can, one of the players maybe. Yeah, we could, we it certainly won't be us. Uh, <laughs> one man who made a good good sort of start to that was Neil Robertson, who won the the Hong Kong Masters. Now this kind of passed a lot of people by because it wasn't on TV, certainly in the UK, and not a ranking event and so on. But he said it was like his best ever moment because it was a massive crowd, three thousand people. He's beat Ronnie in the final. Um, it just shows you what it means to win something like that. Yeah, and I think you'll find that Hong Kong will be a ranking event next season. That there just wasn't time to to, to play it this yeah, season. Yeah, another one for the, for the list. But Neil's in a bit of trouble um, for the Masters because uh, he's got so many points coming off of the UK Championship and other tournaments that, as it stands now, he's something like seventeenth on the on the Masters mm. list. Um, and I suppose and he's the sort of player he would know that. You know, he, he's a sort of he's a details man. Uh, it just shows you no one's kind of safe. It, it, this system does keep you on your toes, doesn't it? Well, he took his eye off the ball, didn't he? Mm. He, he got obsessed with um, a, a video game, the name of which I... I World I, of Warcraft. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, and neglected his practice. He, he, he would go on, he would go on his computer to, to play to play this war game uh, just after he'd taken his son to school, and. Uh, no sooner did he sort of look up than he said, "Oh, it's almost lunchtime, mm. and he's missed a morning's practice." Mm. And you, you, you can't you can't do that too often and maintain your standard. Mm. So just finally, the season's already underway, but I think a lot of people associate the sort of winter months and UK Championship and so on going forward as the main part of the season. Um, we t there's a lot of talk about no one can dominate anymore, but actually, Mark Selby sort of is dominating. He won five ranking events last season, including the three biggest: the World, the UK, and the International. Um, but I suppose with twenty odd torbits, is that dominating, or is or is dominating just doing better than everyone else? Well, it's all relative, isn't it? He, relatively dominant. Hmm. But Mar but he's I mean, he's miles in front in the rankings. I mean, he would have to break another toe and probably you know his leg as well <laughs> to to be caught. I mean, obviously the world championship money is is big in that, but that came off as well. So um, he had to sort of rewin it in a way. Um, it's an incredible story the Selby story isn't it because you know here's someone who didn't have any money to play as a kid mm. and now suddenly he's earned nearly a million quid in a year well it, 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 it shows you that sport can be transformative in a, in, in a person's life it doesn't happen to very many but mm. good, good luck to him there's something in the water in Leicester. There's strange things happen in sport in Leicester, obviously, with the, with the football team as well. Well, we shall uh, follow the, uh, the stories of the season on this podcast, but uh, that is it for now. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Clive. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado.